It is not JT the Brick, as you can tell by the voice. Not JT today as we enter this holiday weekend. Adam Hill and Damod in for you. Going to be fun. It's going to be fun today as we lead you up into the weekend. A big football weekend, even though it's not NFL. You know, some college football, some breaking news in college football. Literally two minutes ago as we went on the air. Some major breaking news in the college football world, so we'll get to that. We'll let you know what our thoughts are on the Raiders. And really interesting, we want your feedback on a couple of questions. Me and Damon both came up with a question, and you can tell how different our personalities are by how different our questions are. We'll get into that in just a couple minutes. We also always want your feedback, 702-365-9200. Give us a call throughout the show, 365-9200. Don't forget, it's the 702 if you are outside of Las Vegas. We know Raider Nation is very, very large. And the Salmon Ash text line as well, 69187. Start with that keyword R&R for Raider Nation Radio. And let us know your thoughts on what is going on. Weigh in during the show. We'll get to some of those texts later on. Uh, we will take your calls today, though, 365-9200. A couple of guests coming up as well. A couple of guys that are in the media room with myself every single day. No more media room. This is going to be great. We'll get into that as well. The end of an era yesterday. We'll tell you what that was. But Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, he's coming up in a little bit. Jesse Merrick from News 3 LV from their sports department over there. They are both coming up. Get to why maybe Jesse's not his name? We'll ask him about that later on. Well, to some people. I'm intrigued. That's a tease. That's That's the voice of Damon. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. This is going to be a great show. Oh, I don't know. That's 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 setting expectations high. It's going to be a, it's going to be good. Okay. And then, and then we'll just say it's good. And then if it's even better, then people can say, "Wow, I was blown away." And if it's worse, like, well, they they didn't say it was going to be great. You know what? Yeah, you're right. This is going to be a fine show. So you're we're we're bringing you along. You're learning. The, there we the, go. The beauty of lowering expectations and how that can work to our advantage. I'm Adam Hill from. The Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out our coverage at Vegas Nation. Come on, I know you're excited about this. There's a special section coming up, a Raiders preview edition. Woo! I think it's like, I don't want to overpromise. I think it's like 60 pages, though. 60? Yeah, I wrote like 40% of it. Okay. I'm exhausted. So, all right, so you and Vinny tag teaming on this, I'm assuming? Sure, yeah. And then a couple of columns. There's a, a Grady column, there's a Mick Akers story, there's a column for my editor. But yeah, me and myself and Vinny. Pretty much been working nonstop for the last two weeks for you, the Raiders fan. So that is coming up next week, that special section. Don't forget to check that out. But come on, football is here. I know it's not the NFL. I know we talk a lot about the Raiders. We're going to get into a lot of Raiders conversations uh, throughout this next two hours. But football's back, man. College football all weekend. We had a couple of games last week, kind of an appetizer. Last night was awesome. I was all in. All in because, like you said, man, college football is back. Pitt. West Virginia? That was that was miserable. That miserable? Well, did you, it was a great game. It was a great game, but, uh, you know, college football's back. I saw you had the tweet oh, about betting on college football. Did you that, have money on the betting game? Betting on college football is just, is just going to it's, it's going to shorten your life. I'm telling you out there, I would do it because it's fun. It's great. I had a significant wager last night on Portland State against San Jose State. <laughs> and, yes, I watched the game, and it was an easy victory. At plus 22 and a half. Portland State almost got the win. They were ahead the whole second half. San Jose State wins in the last minute. A uh, couple of goal line stands, and that was a wild game. Fun, though. But 
that's the great part of this. There's hundreds of games going on. You can find entertainment anywhere, but yeah, Pitt, West Virginia. I, I hope that got you guys ready out there for NFL football. And if there's nothing better than NFL football, uh, but college games can just get so wild. And yes, during the game, when West Virginia was behind, I bet West Virginia plus three and a half in game. West Virginia, I'm watching the game, up seven. All right, cool. Even if you give up a touchdown, it's tied. We're good. They do give up that touchdown. The next play, JT Daniels, perfect throw right in the chest of the receiver. It bounces off his chest up in the air for a pick six, and they're down by seven. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, maybe West Virginia can drive. Maybe they can drive down the field, get me back within this number. I can cover. And then there's an incomplete pass in the one-yard line. It's called complete. It was not complete. I knew the review was going to kill us, and it did, of course. But that's the <laughs> wild rides. The wild rides of betting college football. But I, the, the point of this is, I hope for you guys out there, it got you ready. We are less than a week away officially. I know the Raiders don't play until next Sunday. Raiders Chargers. I'll be down there uh, in L.A. at SoFi. Man, we are less than a week. Last night was the exact twenty, you know, at you know five fifteen p.m. I saw everybody tweeting. Exactly seven days from now, we're gonna have NFL football. So I'm excited. I love it. But it's college football weekend this weekend. There's ton, there's a ton of great games. I'm I'm excited about this as well. College football for this weekend here, when it's by itself, it's got the weekend to itself. It's a more fun weekend, if you ask me, than that NFL opening weekend, just because of Settle down. no, no, no. It's the unknown in college football. It is. Like last week, Doug Brumfield, I mean, I'm ready to get the Heisman campaign already started for him. Oh, I didn't I didn't like that potential pick six that was dropped. That was that was rough. But, yes, he was unbelievable. Uh, See, but with game. college, you know that how it's going to end. You know that the playoff, you already know who the big players are going to be. Well, I will say this. I think college football is stupid, but in the greatest <laughs> way. It's it's just, like, like that, that play last night, I mean – Yes, crazy things could happen in the NFL, but you don't see as crazy and wacky and wild of things have happened as, you know, what you saw of the back-to-back touchdowns with one throw being right at the chest of the receiver popping up in the air. There's there's a lot of silliness in college football that you don't get in the NFL. That makes it more entertaining, but you also are watching it saying, all right, this is not the highest level of football. That's obviously the NFL. Uh, so, yes, I think they're both amazing in their own ways. And as I mentioned, breaking news. We tease this. I'm not going to make you wait, wait very long. Literally 11.58 a.m. As we were about to start this show, the tweet went out. I think it was Pete Thamel. College football playoff is expanding to 12 teams. It was just voted on. Boo. <laughs> what is, what's your problem? Who wants this? I want 16. 16? Yes. 12 stupid, and then you get four buys. We know who's going to get the buys. Four SEC teams, probably. Maybe three in Ohio State. Eight. No. Eight at the most. It needs to be 16. Here's why. And I, I listen, we can d- dig deep into call, you know conference realignment and everything that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a separation of some of the top conferences from the lower conferences, and uh, some of the teams are really going to not be able to compete. We already say now, hey, look, the teams, a team like UNLV can start the season, and even if they go undefeated, is not going to be allowed to play in the playoff. That's a stupid system. It's just ridiculous. What are you what are you playing for? If you even if you go undefeated, you can't win? It doesn't make any sense. So like in college basketball, which is my favorite sport, every team has a chance. Now they don't often do it, 
But every team has a chance when you start the year. If you are if you are better than the the, the top guys, you're going to win a title. And that's not true in college football at the time. So I want it expanded to 16 because I want every conference champion in the playoffs and then five at large, and then we can go move forward and actually have them have a chance to go in. With 12, I don't think we're going to get every conference champion, although I do think, I do still think that those top conferences are going to separate and form their own NCAA, but it won't be called the NCAA, obviously. And then team, you know, conferences like the Mountain West, Conference USA are not going to be in a part of the top level of football anymore. They are now what 1AA is as a second level. That's why there's all this scrambling to try to get into uh, the big conferences. But at least with 12, it's a little bit more open. And it's one step closer to a 16-team playoff, I think. I hope. But you don't want to expand at all. You want, you want to stay at 8. What about the extra games? Somebody's got to play these games. I mean, that is we say we well, amateurism. Thing amateurism heard. is out the window. We all know that. But I just don't think that they should have to play this many games for who? For what? You just said what's college football becoming? Yet we already know that it's a feeder ground well, for now, the NFL. Now they're allowed to get paid. So now, now, it, now it does change. But this that has always been the dumbest argument to me. Because, the extra games. Yes, because the teams at the top, obviously the teams in Division One, eh, the teams that we know, the Alabamas, the SECs, the the Big Tens, all those schools, yeah, they play one bowl game or they play their little conference, you know, their four-team playoff or whatever. The lower levels who aren't making all that money for their schools that aren't that same thing, they actually play a full playoff. FCS plays a whole playoff. So we're making the school, the kids that are actually there for school and actually there uh, to try to, you know, get an education, just kind of play football on the side. They have to play all these games. But the kids, and not every kid in Division One, obviously, is – um, is going to the NFL or or going to make their money as an athlete? But these big time money generating programs, we've always said, well, the kids, they get, yeah, it's never been about the kids. It's so it's about the conference presidents and the uh, you know the executives in the college that are trying to do their own thing. Hey, we want to go to a bowl game. Oh, for the kids, really? No, because you're going on vacation in January. The whole thing is just it's always been stupid. It's always been silly. Expanding twelve, cool. It's just the next step on the path to sixteen. I think. Uh, but we'll find out more as this story continues to develop. Again, that was just kind of voted on. I think it still has a couple more steps to clear, but it looks like pretty certainly uh, they're going to go to 12 teams in college football. And uh, we have a full weekend of college football ahead, so it'll set the table for what we're going to see next week. And I think most NFL fans right now this week, I think the most part are kind of focused on their fantasy drafts and that. So we'll get into that a little bit later on in this program as well. I am a obsessed fantasy football person uh, you'll find that out as we talk about uh, maybe Raiders that you should monitor uh, on the fantasy football radar uh, later on in the program well we have a question of the day on the show we want to get you to weigh in on it I wrote a question Damon wrote a question mine very negative as you can expect because I'm a very pessimistic person by nature Damon always smiling always happy <laughs> A very positive question. So I guess we'll give you two questions of the day. And again, you can weigh in on the text line or on the phone line. We'd love to hear from you on the show. Put you on, hear what your opinions are, what you have to say about this Raiders season. Uh, 365-9200 is the phone number. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line again, 69187 RNR is the keyword. You put that in and then share your thoughts after that. So... Your question, Damon, 
Which player on the Raiders roster do you have the most confidence in headed into week one? What a, a what good a, question. A fair question. What a, a positive, light question for the weekend. What a positive thought. What a positive thought that you have. And that's who you are. What player do you have the most confidence in? 365-9200. I am pessimistic by nature. Not, not necessarily from a football perspective, just in general. As, as you... I was just I was trying to think of there's always something that happens like on my way here or uh just something throughout the day. Like when you when I pull up to there's a coffee spot that I love and as I pull up there every day I'm thinking there's going to be 75 people online. I know it. I already know it. There's going to be 75. You pull up and you're probably like there's not going to be anybody here. I'm just going to cruise right through. Yes, why would I go to the coffee shop <laughs> expecting there to be a long line? Then maybe I should have been to the coffee shop 10, 20 minutes earlier if I'm already expecting the 75 people to be there. Yeah, but you, but you're in your mind, everything's just going to work out and be great. In my mind, everything is going to be a disaster all the time. That's just how I live my life. Probably the wrong way to do it. Because you, it's so much easier when you're just going by easy breezy. What's your plan? It'll figure itself out eventually, right? <laughs> that's, that's you. So you have the positive... The positive question, which player on the Raiders roster do you have the most confidence in headed into week one? I, on the other hand, as I said, I'm a negative Nelly. It's the old the old school term for it. Uh, my question of the day, and you can weigh in on either one, the which player do you have the most confidence in or mine? What are your concerns for this season? Because I'll, I'll tell you this. I have... I have gotten more and more optimistic about this Raider season. The more I've been around the team, the more I've seen them practice, the, the closer we get to the year. Most of the questions that I had for the team have actually been answered. Like I, I don't have the same questions that I had leading into the season. Uh, I'm starting to come around and say I don't see many glaring weaknesses. Obviously, offensive line is something we've talked about a lot, but I don't, I don't see the glaring. This is the problem. I'm starting to think like this is very solid. But where are your concerns? What is your worry? about this season. There has to be some out there uh, for for Raiders fans. It's been a long time since they've reached the top of the mountain. So where could it go wrong? That's my sky is falling all the time philosophy on life. But 365-9200, what are your worries? Or what player of the Raiders roster do you have the most confidence in headed into week one? And you can answer either or both. So who do we got? We got Passionate Raider up first. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, man? What's up, Demond and, and Adam? Good show, man. I like hearing you on the radio a little more, man. It switches it up a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, man. Which one do you want? Do you want to go positive or negative first? Man, I'm going to go positive first, man. I'm going to go positive with just, man, I'm a lifelong Raider fan, man, my whole life. And this is, this is the year, this year right now with the guys that we have on this team. We have so many, we have so many just like, like alpha, alpha males in the room that everybody just wants to win, man. And it's like, it's like all these guys are on the same level, the same maturity level. And it, it just goes to prove from what we've seen in preseason with our second and third stringers on the field, how disciplined they were, how they carried themselves. So, man, I, I just got big hopes, big ups for this whole season, man. And, and, and it just gives me a tingling feeling through my whole body just realizing that this is a team that Raider Nation has been praying for for years, man. I mean, Derek's at the head. Derek's just the leader of men, and then with Darren right there, and then with Chandler, and then with with Max, it just, and then with with Cleon, it just with Jacobs, and it just everybody just goes down the list with these characters we have. But the only thing that I'm concerned with this year, if I had one thing to pick, is going to be the the special teams 
not our field goal unit. It's going to be our returns and our, and our coverages. Those are the two areas that I've seen in preseason that was weaknesses was a couple of those returns. You know, we, we had the best. We did have the best of the best in the, in, in the special teams coordinator. We kind of got a sketchy guy now. That's the only – that is my only worry since McDaniels and them have taken over is the special teams unit. So until we can see it on game day and see how it's really going to go down, that's my biggest worry. But you know what? We've only got one week left to game day, and we're all going to see what's going to happen in Raider Nation, man. I'm so fired up, Adam McHugh, that I just hey, – oh, you already know. Let's go, baby. Raiders! Come on. Great call. Uh, passionate passionate for sure, living up to the name uh, there at the end. Now, I, I will say this. Um, good point on your concern. I, I think that's fair. Uh, the special teams unit, especially early in uh, in preseason, was struggling. Uh, I thought they got a little bit better, and part of that was they stopped trying to kind of pin teams deep and said, let's just go for touchbacks, let's just have Daniel Carlson kick it into the end zone. I think that'll probably be the strategy fairly often. But I also, man, poor Tom McMahon just taking strays out here. Uh, I think I, he's a he's been a good coach for a long time. He's had a couple of down years, we know. Uh, but you look back on the time that he's been with really, really solid units, uh, like he was with the Colts, uh, with Vinatieri and Pat McAfee, two, uh, two really great players, just like he has here with A.J. Cole and Daniel Carlson, and obviously Trent Sieg is, is a long snapper. That's where he had his most success as a special teams coach. So I think he fits in well uh, there. I, I wouldn't be overly concerned with that, but I think that's a really, really good point to say, hey, if there's something I'm worried about, that could be it. All right, and we got a text in from Time Missouri to go along with the special teams chat here. To answer DeMond's question, I have the most confidence in Daniel Carlson. Dude is cash money. Love that guy. I mean, that's a good one. Look, I mean, there's there's obvious answers like Devontae Adams, like Max Crosby, uh, for sure. Um, I have another name in mind that I think is going to take another huge step forward. We can get into that uh, as the show progresses. But, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think Daniel Carlson is a good one. I mean, if we're going special teams, I've always been Team A.J. Cole – as as a Pro Bowl guy, and I I, I thought it was very cool to kind of see him uh, fulfill that uh, expectation last year. Uh, but I, I I think that guy is unbelievable too. So I think the special teams in general, not the return units uh, and the coverage units necessarily, but the kickers and the long stepper, uh, I think people should have a lot of confidence in them. All right, we're going to go back out to the phone lines. We got Raider Tone on the line. What's up? Hey Adam, man, I listen. I listen to all your podcasts, man. I, I like the work you do for the Raiders, man. It's really good. Appreciate that, man. Good talking to you guys in the Raider Nation today. What's what? What do you got? You got the? You want to answer who you have the most confidence in, or what worries you? I got both. Uh, my okay. most confidence in is going to be Hunter. Um, just this guy that brings the lunch pail to work. I think the, uh, they're going to use him as Amadola, Edelman, and West Walker, all combination. Those you know, cut in, drop back, whatever it is going to take. I just love his game, man. So that's my most confident guy I have on this squad. My biggest concern is besides Jerm- Jeremy, El- how do you pronounce his name? El- uh, Illuminor. Illuminor. He really, he really concerns me, man. On that right side, man. I just, I, I that and the linebackers. Are they going to be able to stop Austin Eckler? Are they going to be able to stop Travis Kelsey? Who kills it? So that's my concern is those linebackers. Um, I, I, I know that you, you got the kid, and you got the, the 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 veteran in the middle, but I just, I'm just concerned what we're going to do. We can never stop that over in the middle. It's the third and nine, and they get. 10 yards. It's third and 12. They get 14 yards. You see what happened in that last game. So I'm going to keep listening, man, but th- those are my concerns. I'm excited. I'll be at the, I'll be in Inglewood next, next week, man. 
thank you for the show, man. Yep. See you down there. I'll be I'll be I'll be out there. I'll, although I'll be getting there about four a.m. Sunday morning after uh, Diaz Shemaev. We might get a little. Uh, MMA talk later on. I'm going I'm to be at the fight and then get on the road and drive down to Inglewood in the middle of the night next Saturday night, Sunday morning. So uh, not a whole lot of time to hang out before the game this week, uh, but definitely excited about all the sports that are going on. Uh, another good one. Like I thought the special teams comment was good in terms of what are you worried about? The linebacker point I think is well taken as well. Now, I know that in the past I, I can understand why uh, you would have those concerns for sure. Um, I think the unit as a whole, obviously with Masterson and Butler making the team, can they continue that level of play that they had in the preseason as the depth? Uh, we'll see. I mean, look, they were they played out of their mind in the preseason, and they earned their spots on this roster, no question about it. But it's different once the season starts and once you're going against starting guys. Uh, so if they're out on the field, we'll see. But if they continue that level of play, they'll be good. I think Jayon Brown is really, really good. Um, nobody's really talked about him. He's been kind of the – you know, under the radar guy that hasn't had a lot of discussion. I think he's really good. And Denzel Perriman is a tackling machine. And yeah, there's some of those concerns about his coverage. It's not really what they're going to ask him to do. I think they're they're going to find the role for both of those guys. Um, and and I think they'll be okay in that area. I, I'm I don't have that was one of the ones I said earlier. There was glaring concerns that I had coming into preseason and coming into training camp. And after watching him every day, that was one of the ones that kind of went away. Where I said. I think they'll be, they'll be okay here. Now, I don't think it'll be the best unit in the NFL, but I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be good enough in that area. So we'll see. I think it's a fair concern, one to, uh, one to watch and one to monitor, but I think they're going to be okay in that regard. All right, and to get to some more text, we got someone out here from the 909, Nate Hobbs. He is the new era C. Wood. That was the guy. I just said a second ago, we'll talk about it. That's the guy that I think takes a massive – I mean, he was – so good last year in the role that they asked him to play. And I think he's going to be an expanded role this year, and he'll be even better. So the guy that I'm confident in, uh, obviously, you know, we had, you know, the Hunter Renfro, great comment, Devonta Adams, best receiver in the league, um, you know, Darren Waller. You've got all these guys, and Daniel Carlson was, was one of the callers said, all those guys, yes, we all know what we're going to get uh, out of them. Everybody knows what you're going to see out of them on a Sunday. But Nate Hobbs, I think, is a guy that takes a massive step forward from a very, very, very good season that nobody really saw coming. I think it, in an expanded role, he's going to be even better this year. And uh, I think that is that is a development that Raiders fans should be very, very excited about. So great comment. All right, one more before we get to break. This from Jordan in Southern Utah. I have the most confidence in Devontae Adams. Listening to him speak and hearing all the reports from practice just reminds me that he is the ultimate pro. Guy's going to have a massive season. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's that, that's a an easy one, but I think sometimes we miss the easy the easy answers, and that is that is absolutely true. Um, attitude wise, professionalism, his skills, his ability, I, I, it's a running joke at practice that I that I use all the time, and a couple other people do as well. But you just watch him go through a rep, and you say, "Yeah, that guy's gonna be good. I think he's gonna be pretty good." Like, yes, he's awesome, and he's awesome every day. It's consistency. Uh, the level that he brings, the level he brings everybody else to as well. Uh, it's been fantastic to watch for sure. So uh, we'll, we'll continue. If you want to keep weighing in on those, we're going to take calls a little bit later on. But coming up next, a good friend of the, the program, the show, a good friend of ours, Paul Gutierrez coming up from ESPN. We'll talk to him next. I just play Tekken a lot. 
uh, Eddie was my fi- my favorite uh, fighter on the game because he kind of takes like a break dancing style, but then he'll hit you with a low sweeping kick, and then he'll come with a a roundhouse, you know, finisher. Personally, I've always been doing like martial arts for quite a while now. I think it's wonderful for your hips, wonderful for your core. If you guys don't want to just sit there and do a thousand crunches, go outside and just throw, you know, like 25 to 50 sidekicks. Your obliques are going to be on fire, you know, and it keeps, you know, the, the pelvic floor nice and keeps the spine decompressed. So that's my TED Talk. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Grimaldi's Pizzeria, home of the famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza. Back here on Raider Nation Radio, Adam Hill with Damon and a good friend of us, the show, Raider Nation, I would assume, an author and a writer. Paul Gutierrez joins us. How you doing, sir? Scott, gentleman and a scholar as well, being UNLV alums, alum, alumni, alumnus, however, however it goes, yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> think you can call yourself a scholar if you don't know the proper word. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's the irony of the whole thing. Okay, you know I, what get I'm I get it. I get it now. <laughs> uh, is that in the book? That's the question. Uh, that I went to Barstow College in UNLV? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's in the book. Where, where, can, people still can find the book, right? They should go get it? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I'm never going to complain about writing a book, but I have the worst luck ever in times of timing. Uh, the first book I did was with Tommy Davis, who just passed away, rest in peace, with the Dodgers. He was a star for the Dodgers in the 60s. That book came out in 2004, a couple months before I moved from L.A. to the Bay Area. So I wasn't like I was going to sell a lot of Dodger books in the Bay Area. Then in 2014, I wrote the book on the Raiders called 100 Things Raider Fans Should Know and Die, Do Before They Die. Well, that book came out in August and September. I got moved on to the Niners. So I wasn't going to sell a lot of Raider books while covering the Niners. This one came out last year in the middle of the pandemic with Lincoln Kennedy. And um, I'm not going to say it's outdated, but a lot of things happened last year that we couldn't possibly get in the book. And I'm not making light of anything that happened, but no. it's just, it's wild the, the, the season they had last year. But to answer your question, long answer to your short question. Yeah, people can find it. It's on uh, Amazon. It's on triumphpublishing.com. And uh, every game, I've got a bunch in my trunk. So if you see me, I got them. And uh, I'll get Lincoln to sign it as well, and we're good to go. Yeah. How about uh, after that story, how about don't write any more books? <laughs> you know, somebody's approached me about writing one, and I'm oh, like, no. uh, are you sure? Yeah, you know, they kind of get the Black Widow kind of a thing going on with it. But, yeah, not, they're fun. Um, it, it's cool. You know, I, I worked with Jeff Perlman at Sports Illustrated way back in the day, and he and I bumped heads quite a bit back then, but we've kind of both grown up. And I actually just got a uh, copy of his Bo Jackson book in the mail yesterday, and I've been kind of thumbing through it. So it's, it's fun. It, it, as much fun as it is to see the finished product, it, it's heartbreaking, heart racing. It's, it's the stress of everything else to get a book done. And then to see it out there, it's really rewarding. So it kind of takes me back to that mindset as well. Obviously, you haven't uh, got all the way through it, and uh, not to plug somebody else's book, but uh, so far, right. so good on the uh, Bo Jackson? I jumped straight in to see where my name was mentioned, and I was in there, so I was good with that. So vain. <laughs> but I know, a little bit. You can put that in there, too. Gentleman, scholar, vain. <laughs> no, but I'm kidding. Uh, I read the chapter on when Bo got hurt, and, and for no other reason than maybe I am vain. I was at that game. I was 20 years old, a student at Barstow College, stringing for my hometown paper, the Barstow Desert Dispatch, and I was there. And I've got pictures of Bo running down the field and, and uh, warming up. And uh, I didn't get any of him limping off the field, though. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. But, yeah, I was there for his last game. So I, I read that chapter, and it was exactly as I recalled. And, and that's kind of the cool thing about writing a book, and I'm sure Jeff would tell you the same thing, is, is just finding the, the most minute detail and just expanding on it. Because 
there's so many layers to things. You and I have had this discussion many times, Adam. We're like onions, right? You peel a layer back and there's more to find. And yeah. For that one chapter, that one play, it just speaks volumes. It's uh, Paul Gutierrez. You can follow him at P. Gutierrez ESPN up on Twitter. Check out the book, all the, all the stories, everything that he does as well. Uh, we just referenced I know, look, I think a lot of times people – uh, get bored or annoyed at like uh, some of the inside uh, inside baseball talk, but it was a big moment yesterday. It was the last time for podiums for most of the players yeah. after more than two years. It's been crazy. So that yeah. was you know even though it's it's kind of it's more us and inside and what we do, it is going to change things for fans as well. Like that was a kind of a big moment. We didn't really talk about it much necessarily, but it was a big moment yesterday. It was, and, and, you know, if not for just us as journalists, and we're supposed to be the window into the team, right, for the public, but if everything that we're asking, everything that we're doing at a podium is seen live by the universe, everything outside of communist China, I guess, can watch this thing. You're not just having a, a talk with Coach, right? But, you know, if you're able to, to get away from that, then you're able to bring different types of stories to the readers, to the viewers, um, and, and, and kind of get a, a better handle on what these guys are like because when they go up to a podium it's very it's very controlled it's a very controlled thing it's one of my biggest pet peeves of the nfl is they control the narrative so so much and i'm not saying we're going to go in there and try and be woodward and bernstein i'm not saying we're not but you get to get a better more full view of who these guys are what's really going on and when you got guys that have been covering this team and ladies as well that that have a sense of what's really going on okay now you can take it for what it's worth because if you're watching what everybody else is watching then it becomes about takes Who's got the most interesting take on what was just said? We all heard what was just said. And for Amir Abdullah to talk about Tekken and where he got his touchdown celebration from, you know full well, and it's in the book that I studied martial arts growing up myself, that I'm going to go check on check in on him and try and do a story when there aren't any cameras around, when there isn't anybody else around, and I probably just scoop myself. So have that story, Adam, while you're at it. No, you can go ahead. You can have that one. Uh, <laughs> but, but also, I mean, to, to that point, and, and along the same lines, a couple of, a couple of things of – yeah, you hear that really interesting comment, and then there's there was a little bit of follow-up yesterday because we kind of all jumped on board a little bit. But for the most part, if somebody says an interesting comment, you could write whole features and delve into the background of how did it start? Did he have a, a parent or a brother or something like that? But there's no follow-up questions that you can ask right. in this setting. Um, and, yeah, there, there are certain – like a certain day, a certain player might be the big story, and he's not chosen to go on podium, so you don't get to hear his perspective on what's going on. So I, I think it is – Obviously important for us. It's, it's a massive thing for us as in what we do. But also for the fans that now will get to, hey, I was really interested in this guy in this game. Why didn't why didn't anybody talk to him? Well, he wasn't on the podium. Yeah. And now that the locker room is yeah. going to be open, we can kind of explore those stories a little bit more for the for the, for the the fans. So long as that guy is sitting in his locker and willing to talk, right? So the best <laughs> sure. we can do is have that opportunity. And, you know, you've, got, you've been around long enough to know that if a guy doesn't want to talk, he's going to make himself scarce. And we saw that after... Um, the exhibition against the Patriots. There was Alex Leatherwood. He got up and he hightailed it out of there until he saw us all around uh, Clee, Clee Farrell. <laughs> then uh, he showed back up at his locker. I tried to break away, but I didn't want to be rude because I was talking with Clee myself, and he was looking me in the eye, and yet I'm kind of, oh, I got to go, I got to go. And, and by then, Alex was gone. And uh, he was able to shed reporters that day better than he was defenders. So, you know, that's my cheap shot. Of the day. Ooh, ooh, what, what, where's that? Where did that come from? I'm just, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm a hater now. Apparently I'm a hater. <laughs> I don't even remember who you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's interesting. 
Well, I'm just going to ask you about Alex Leatherwood then. I mean, since you've got such strong feelings about him with <laughs> no, the team. It's not, it's not strong. Not strong. I'm just making He was just joking. Uh, no, no, no. Obviously, he's a hater on Alex Leatherwood. <laughs> but what do you think about the team releasing him and the Bears picking him up and still taking on that bit of a salary cap hit that they got to take with Alex Leatherwood being on the team? I, well, I thought it was a huge gamble by the Raiders because that's a pretty expensive mistake to try to own when it wasn't even your own mistake, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So. When it comes to, to Alex, I again, what, how did we know him? We didn't know him because we never had a chance to talk to him one-on-one. Um, I know one of the other beat writers went up to him, and, and he was kind of, uh, you know, didn't really want to talk to him because he assumed that he had been writing a lot of negative things about him. Okay, got it. But when we only have a podium and it's more of an interrogation than a conversation, that's part of the problem. So my take on it was, if Alex Leatherwood wasn't going to be a starter for you, he sure as heck could not be a swing tackle for you. Could you imagine him with his confidence broken trying to back up Colton Miller on the blind side? No, you can't. So then at that point, he's, you know his skill set, not him, but his skill set is basically worthless to you. So you release him if you can't find a trade partner. They couldn't. And the Bears did the Raiders a huge solid by assuming that contract because essentially that's what they picked up. They picked up the contract, not the player, with the hope that the player would would uh, would rise to the occasion, and that's where they're going with him right now. So, again, nothing negative. It was a cheap shot joke I just made. I know. I apologize. And um, But that's just – it's interesting the way it goes because he knew that everybody wanted to talk to him, but he took off, yeah. So, and that's his prerogative. Well, it, in the end, it's not his fault the Raiders took him where they took him. That's the bottom line, and I used that same line in my story on Cleef Earl yesterday. I've used that same line when Darius Hayward Bay was with the Raiders. It's not their fault they get drafted where they get drafted. Uh, Jamarcus Russell, maybe it was because he was a consensus number one at that point, and he just didn't put in the work. And you know, I've covered this team since 2005, and if you go back to when I really first started coming out of high school in '88, I- I've seen a lot of strange things with this organization. And the Alex Leatherwood thing—I actually had somebody inside the building text me and ask me, "Hey, so is Leatherwood now the biggest bust in franchise history?" And I said, "He's up there, but it's never—I don't know if anybody could ever top Jamarcus because of his draft standing yeah. and uh, what you got out of him, which was basically nothing." So just to to stay on him, not to not to belabor the point of Alex Leatherwood, but you did mention the word confidence, and it's something again to go back to podiums. Like I've been trying to ask about the confidence and what other people saw in his confidence, and it's much tougher. It's much tougher to do that uh, when it's streaming live instead of just you know in, in a locker room uh, when you're talking to somebody. But confidence was one of the biggest stories with Alex Leatherwood, right? It seemed like he just couldn't he couldn't get that self belief back in himself, and it just kind of piled on top of each other. I majored in communications with an emphasis in print journalism at UNLV, Adam, so I did not take many psych classes. But, I, you know, being around long enough, you do see body language, and you, you recognize poor body language and, and when somebody's confidence is sapped. I will lean back on an interview I did with Lincoln Kennedy, and he took Alex Leatherwood personally because that was his position. Lincoln was an all-pro right tackle. And when I did my preview on the offensive line in the middle of camp, He said the basic thing that the Raiders got to do is get Alex Leatherwood's confidence back up. Now, if an all-pro right tackle sees it, then there's something there rather than me just standing there going, oh, his body language is bad. His confidence is shot. There's something to it, and usually where there's smoke, there's fire, and there was something definitely simmering there with him. And you just wish him all the luck in the world. And, again, it was a very expensive gamble the Raiders took. They'll still take a little minimal cap hit, nowhere near what they would have if, if nobody had claimed him. But, uh, you know, at this point, you just kind of wish the best for both sides as, as an objective observer. 
We are uh, we are asking listeners the question of the day. We'll throw them both at you. Uh, there's a negative question and a positive question because that is uh, me and Damon uh, are different attitudes, I suppose, toward life. Uh, Damon's yep. question was which which player do you have the most confidence in going into the season? Like who is who are you absolutely sure? Like that's not going to be a concern. Devontae Adams. And simply because he's going to get himself open and because Derek Carr, we've seen over the years, he takes a while to get his confidence where he'll just throw the ball to him and let them make a play, the 50-50 ball, right? Um, it took a while to get it with Darren Waller. It took a while to get it with Amari Cooper. It took a while with Michael Crabtree. It's already built in because these guys played together at Fresno State. And that was one of my biggest questions actually coming into the season was, well, how real is this thing? I mean, they, they, weren't, comp- they weren't teammates in a competitive environment since 2013. Well, we saw it in that joint practice from two football fields away, but we saw it. <laughs> and I have no doubt that Devontae Adams is still the best receiver in the NFL, and he's going to get his, if for no other reason, than Derek's going to get him the ball. Now the question there is, is Derek going to have time to get him the ball? I think Devontae's good enough to get himself open, and Derek has enough trust in him to throw it to him to make it happen. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Adams seems to get open within like a half second of the snap. It's crazy. It really is amazing. It's amazing. It's just the, the, the separation there. And in doing a story on Cliff Branch this offseason, talking with Michael, Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes, they were just talking about that. You can't teach separation. It's You either have it or you don't. And when you see Devontae on there, he's so effortless. And that does, that's not a shot at, that he's not putting in work. No, it just means he's so fluid. He's so graceful. He's just really pretty to watch. It's, it's, it's weird that you say that because I, uh, it's something that I've been thinking about that you know, watching Devontae Adams on Sundays, and as we've done throughout his entire career, and you marvel at how good he is, were you even surprised, because I'll say I was, were you even surprised watching him up close at practice every day to just say, good Lord, that guy's good. It's crazy the levels that there are. to Every receiver in the NFL is really, really good, but there is yeah. levels to this. Just smooth. Just smooth. Yeah. He's not a burner. He's not a big, he's not a burner like, uh, you know, Clip Branch, for example, or somebody that was a super fast today. He's not one of those guys. He's not a big physical guy going across the middle like Terrell Owens was. Um, he's not, you know, uh, the, the sure-handed pass catcher that like a Belitnikov was or somebody like that. But he's all of those things. And he just gets himself open. And then, you know, I'm never going to put any pressure on anybody or anything like that. But I guess you could have said the same thing about like a Jerry Rice because he wasn't a burner. He wasn't a guy that was going to beat you up physically, but he just beat you on the field. And that's kind of where I see what I see with Devontae Adams. And I'm old enough to have seen Jerry Rice actually play in person. So it's, it's pretty intriguing to watch. You've given away your age a couple times today. You're, you're an old man. I know. Uh, I'm an old man. Well, I, yeah. my, uh, my pessimistic nature is the other question of the day. <laughs> what is there to be worried about? I, I actually have come around very much. Uh, like I, I thought they'd be good. But I, I had some concerns. I had some questions. A lot of my questions have kind of been answered a little bit in training camp in the preseason. But what is there to still be worried about? Well, the offensive line is the easy answer, right? Sure. So I guess I'll stick there. It's the offensive line because the way I look at it, guys, is if the way things panned out, they only have eight offensive linemen right now in this initial 53-man roster. That's Eight that's plus. It's eight, eight plus. Yeah, eight plus. Eight plus whoever's on the practice squad. Okay. Are any of those guys a quality starting right tackle? I don't know, because to me, Jermaine Illuminor is, is more fit as a swing tackle. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he's definitely earned the job. And again, if they can't open up holes for, for the running back, like Josh Jacobs told us last year, he's watching film, and he's going, dude, what do you guys want me to do here? There's nowhere to run. You know, <laughs> when he acknowledged that last year at a podium, it was, it was mind-blowing. And if Derek Carr has no time to, 
to look down the field and gets happy feet and, and is forced to run, well, then that, that takes away from the game plan, too. So it's up to, to Josh McDaniels to, to get the ball out quick and protect the offensive line. So that, to me, is number one. Number two, I, I do wonder, and I know Chandler Jones tweeted, was it yesterday or this morning, you know, keep doubting me or something like that. You know, I got some, some questions there. I'm, I'm not doubting. I mean, he's probably heading to Canton. But the fact that he had ten and a half sacks last year and five of them came in week one, which meant he only had five and a half for 16 games. That to me is kind of, hmm, let's just keep an eye on that. I'm not saying he's done. I'm not saying that there's, there's something to worry about because Max Crosby's going to, you know, generate a lot of coverage on the other side. So that's going to give him some opportunities, but that's just something to keep an eye on in my opinion. All right, Paul, the, the real tweet was try me if you want. Try me if you want. That's, that's what, what Chandler Jones said. But also I've got to ask you about your form. Now, Amir Abdullah, I'm not asking you to spar him, you know, because he's a much younger man, <laughs> but just on the form, What's your stand still looking like? Because that picture that you posted yesterday on Twitter, it did yeah. look like it was pretty old, though. So what's your, what's your kicking stance looking like now? It was very old. That was 1994, man. It might have been even before you were born. It I was. Adam, was <laughs> Adam was probably 14. Yeah. <laughs> that was at a karate tournament in um, Laughlin, Nevada. I think it's the Edgewater or the Riverside, one of those two. Nice. I don't even know if they still exist. But, um, you know, it's funny. I'm at the gym right now, and, and I was doing a little bit of stretching. I didn't do my 50 kicks, though, like Amir suggested. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll do 52, one for each year that I've been on this earth. But I don't know if he meant like 50 kicks per leg or 50 total. So I'm going to have to follow up with him on that. So, um, yeah, I'm still flexible. I can still touch my toes. I don't know if I can get my – I'm sure I could get my leg up like that, but walking after that might be the problem. I don't think DeMond knows about the, the history of the family. What? Is Paul from a line, <laughs> long line of karate champions? The closer my dad that still think. has this school. Yeah. yeah, my dad still has a school. I mean, I grew up with it. Uh, he's been in it since I was three years old in, in Pasadena, South Pasadena, California. He still teaches in Barstow. Still has a school, and whenever I go back, I help him out when he runs when he throws a tournament. Um, I was teaching a little bit myself a couple summers ago, some, some neighborhood kids. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just part of the blood, and it's, just, it's always there. And right. even though, you know, I, I get your black belt, I got my black belt at 18, but that didn't mean anything. It meant you just started. So, yeah. <laughs> I got to be honest, Paul, when you were sending me all those pictures last week, I thought you were all show, no go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, to quote Chandler Jones, shoot, what did he just say? Try, Try me if you want. Water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great great stuff. Uh, we won't ask what your best finish in the All-Valley was. Clearly, you, you did well at some point. It's not a real Dude, tournament, right? Ralph, Ralph Macchio totally stole my role. I was 14 when that movie came out. I could have slid right in there. Elizabeth Shue, even my wife, Amy, knows. She's like, Dude, if you'd have been Karate Kid, I don't know if I'd have met you because Elizabeth Shue would have been, you know, it would have been a done deal back in the day. So, and William Zapka does follow me on Twitter, and uh, I'm going to have to let him. So does Yuji uh, wow. Chosen. Wow. Yuji follows me too. Yuji, here we go, Adam. When we go to Seattle for Thanksgiving weekend, Yuji uh, has a restaurant in Seattle. So let's do our. our dinner the night before the game at his restaurant oh i'm so in can't wait right. great great stuff as always what do you got coming up that people should check out uh just trying to figure out exactly what the court we didn't talk about this either the rebuilt cornerback room yeah. i mean they're the two best cornerbacks of the previous two years are gone and they've basically rebuilt it mullen has traded away and and um gosh why can't i remember the other guy that, that they let go in free agency he was a veteran last year oh casey hayward Casey, yeah, he's our best. He's our best cornerback, and, and he's gone as well. So, how can your room pot improve by definition if your two best guys are gone? We'll see. There you go. Questions to be answered. We'll find out. Great job as always. Follow him up on Twitter, P Guterres ESPN. We'll come back. Wrap up the hour here.
on Raider Nation Radio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Let's let, let the outcast play a little bit. Feeling it going into the weekend. A little good music to get us ready uh, for college football. Some tennis. Tennis this weekend. Serena's still in action. Everybody's paying attention to that. It's the last weekend before the NFL. Anything you have to get done, you got to get done. I actually have a ethical dilemma, kind of. Uh, we'll talk about that. Deciding what to do this weekend coming up. Uh, in the second hour of the program, Paul Gutierrez with some great stuff on the Raiders and what is going on. Uh, he mentioned, man, we we're talking about the end of the podiums. No more no more podium time, except for uh, they'll still have McDaniels and Derek Carr up there. But for the most part, players will be in the locker room. What what a glorious day. We can get, get back in there and talk to them. I, I still think, and he mentioned it there, we kind of glossed it over. One of the great moments ever at the podium uh, for the Raiders was Josh Jacobs last year. Just kind of saying to us, what do you want me to do? Watch the film. Where should I run? Everybody was so stunned. It's one of those moments that you do have when you're talking to guys individually that you never have on the podium of somebody being that kind of open. And yes, it's a shot at teammates, but it's also a moment of just total honesty. Like, what do you want me to do? There's nowhere to go. And and I think that was the case in a lot of a lot of games last year where there just wasn't any room to run. There was nowhere to go. The The offensive line had struggled. And uh, one, of the, one of those lasting memories of Josh Jacobs, who is always pretty honest uh, in, in relation to most players, and I don't just mean Raiders, I mean anywhere around the league, anywhere around sports, an honest guy when he's up there talking to you. And for better or worse, I mean, a lot of people might not like it. I, I thought it was very refreshing and very cool uh, to hear a player honestly talk as much as uh, Josh Jacobs did when he was up there. A couple of things we wanted to get into. I think we're gonna, we'll hold them over uh, for later on in the show as we uh, move in to the second hour. Jesse Merritt coming up uh, from Channel 3 in the second hour. Don't forget our questions as well. Uh, we want to hear from you on the other side uh, in hour number two. Which player on the Raiders roster do you have the most confidence in headed into week one? And conversely, what are your worries about this team? I know everybody's excited, everybody's optimistic, everybody's fired up, the potential to make a playoff run once again with this Raiders team, but what are you concerned about heading into the season? 365-9200 is the phone call number if you want to get in on the show. Uh, 69187, the text line, keyword R&R before uh, you give your comment. Line them up. We want to hear what you guys have to say. We had some good thoughts earlier. I thought the the point about the special teams coverage units um, was was a good one. The linebacker, especially the depth, uh, could be a question. I know uh, they did have some potential guys that they're looking at, Reggie Ragland being one that uh, was on a visit today. And that that's interesting because Reggie Ragland is a really, really talented player who's had some really high moments and hasn't always been consistent, but in the right system, he's really, really good. So I, I, I'm fascinated to find out if anything transpires there uh, with Reggie Ragland visiting here uh, with the Raiders. So clearly they are still looking at linebackers, trying to strengthen that room as well. Uh, we'll come back, though, on the other side, 365-9200. Your calls, who are you most confident in and what are you most worried about 
as we get ready to enter the season in a week.